This episode of the Rad Broadcast is brought to you by Tech2U. Tech2U strives to deliver superior technical services from professional and friendly staff while maintaining their principles of credibility, accountability, and customer service as they grow. With locations all over Northern California, Southern California, and Las Vegas, Tech2U provides in-shop repair, mobile services for residential and business, and remote service provided online. Tech2U repairs everything ranging from printers, scanners, screen repair, motherboards, keyboards, touchpads. They'll even recycle electronics. Visit www tech2u.com that's tech the number two u.com or call 888-340-8324 that's 888-340-8324 for tech to you the rad What's up, Prodheads? Welcome to another episode of the Rad Podcast. I'm producer Brandon from the Rob Anybody and Don Show, or Rad Radio. And uh, to further expand on the evolution of the Rad Podcast, we are having guests in, and I'm lucky enough this week to have uh, the Grand Poobah, the CEO, the President, the treasurer the not the janitor so much i'm the janitor secretary although secretary? it's not in the, the sense of like administrative assistant it's more like the secretary of state sort of thing <laughs> uh you got cfo uh, chief financing officer so, as well. yeah. rob williams hello welcome thank yeah. you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us here hardly by the way the most exciting part of this uh this broadcast because i am really excited and thankful for the big announcement you have to make about your very first super duper way to go brandon flagship sponsor i did it tech to you is is the uh, new fine sponsor of the Rad Podcast, the official sponsor of the Rad Podcast. Not just the, 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 the flagship sponsor. Flagship. They, they are here. They are the first ones. And and actually, uh, I, I know uh, like nothing because I'm an idiot uh, when it comes to tech. But Well, that's you, why you hired me. Well, and you've been using these guys, and they pulled our asses out of the fire recently, which is kind of how this relationship was rejuvenated and how this all came about with this partnership, right? Yeah, because even with my knowledge, I still need to go to somebody to help me out because there are instances when computers blow up or something that's just beyond my knowledge um, that I needed to go to. And Tech2U uh, stepped up to the plate, and they went above and beyond, um, and they heard us talking about them, and they thought, you know what? We want to we wanna be a part of your guys. As a team, so and they help uh, regular idiots like me too, right? Like my laptop goes oh. down, I just go to tech to you. Yeah, it's not just businesses; you can go uh, just for your personal computers, and they can do things remotely. They don't even have to come to your house. So if you go to visit uh, their website, tech 2 ucom that's, that's the number two. Right? Yeah, tech yeah. number two, <laughs> not letter u dot com. Tech two u. Just Google it; it's probably easier to find. Or you can <laughs> uh, you can call them at. Uh, let me scroll down the website. I'm just learning these guys, so it's uh, that new. Yeah, it's that new. Literally. <laughs> Fresh off the presses, 888-340-8324, 888-340-8324 for Tech2U. And I just, I just want to say, uh, as the president, CEO, secretary, CFO, owner, a big thank you to them. Uh, and, of course, if that's uh, exciting or enticing to anyone else who's listening, has a local small business, we're always here, RAD, at radradio.com, accepting more sponsors for the broadcast. Hello. We can't keep doing this for free, people. <laughs> and they have locations all over the place. They do work remotely, so if you're in, in one of these outlying areas, you could still reach them, but they're in Sacramento, Rockland, Roseville, Fair Oaks, San Diego, Las <laughs> Vegas. Oh, good. They're, they're basically all over Thank the place. Thank God they're in San Diego. <laughs> that's great news. <laughs> well, our buddy Ari, he's, he's the guy that I've been talking to, and he he's from Boston, and he's actually setting up shop over in Boston right now, so... Uh, they're huge. They're all over the place. So thank you to Tech2U for being the flagship sponsor. You want to get started? Yeah. Right. I, I, I'm just waiting for the commercial to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So whoa, 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 whoa. I have a question. This is the only time I'm going to take over your your thing here. Okay. Because you know I'm used to being in charge. Yeah. But I have a question. So you call this the podcast, right? Because it's a podcast, and you're the producer, and you host it, and it's a podcast, right? Okay. So if I'm on, is it now a probcast? Ooh, we could call it that. The probcast. Did you see what I did probcast. there? You're still in it. See, pra, pra, because <laughs> right. you're the producer. Right. But then it's ob because Rob. So it's a probcast. I like that. I I just came up with that. Well, it might cost us a little bit more money to you know change up the logo uh, and, and rebrand that. it. Okay, no, it's a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Um, so we when we had uh, Gary and Don on, I basically just tapped the room and just let them have a conversation in front of me um, just to uh, maybe collect some blackmail. But in the process, I actually got some pretty entertaining stuff from them. If um, you say so. Having spent way too many dinners <laughs> with them, I, I can't imagine. Well, not a lot of people get to experience that sort of thing, so it was kind of cool to pull the curtain back. Um, but we didn't really have any script or anything, and, and this time I kind of have the advantage of uh, I actually reached out to the prod squad on our Facebook group. If you search for Rad Prodcast on Facebook and click in the group, and if you haven't joined already, just click to request to join. I'll accept you, and you can interact with us, uh, the the producer, and uh, all the other uh, prod heads. I don't have Facebook, so I can't do that. That's okay. I got it for you. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I asked the prod squad, if you could ask Rob Williams one question, what would it be? And how many got, How many of them's questions was, why did he commit suicide and leave us so soon? Was it uh, because of his ending movie career? <laughs> I actually, the first time the first what? time I did a live remote when I was 19 and I had just started out in South Lake Tahoe, I was the morning guy, but who cares? And we promoted for a week that Rob Williams was going to be at some spa place. And dude showed up thinking he was going to meet Robin Williams. Whoa. He actually oh, wow. thought Robin Williams, the actor, was going to be sitting in a spa, which I was doing, <laughs> doing a live broadcast. I'm not kidding. That was the biggest blow to my ego to start my career. You were sitting in a spa broadcast For two hours. So you had the bubbles and the yeah. ambiance in the background? Not wacky at all. Oh, very, wow. very, very brilliant start to my career. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> Um, so we have a lot of really fun questions, silly questions, but also some thought-provoking questions. Um, but I wanted to be the first one to ask you a question. Um, first of all, how does it feel to have the tables turned and having me be the leader? Twelve years later, after hiring mm. me, I'm sitting across from you leading a little show here. Yeah, I'd love to be all melodramatic like Dawn and say that it's awful and weird and, and I'm out of my element. But it's really – it's uh, it's actually kind of nice. I've I, The one thing that is weird – is uh, not knowing what's coming because when we do the regular show, I always know what's coming other than whatever comments you guys might add in. But I know the basic direction of of, of the entire broadcast, whereas you guys are always in my position. You have no idea at any time what I'm going to bring up. So that's the only thing that's weird is I'm sitting here going, what the hell are these questions and what am I going to get asked? Mm -hmm. And so that part's weird. Other than that, uh, you and I have been doing this for too long for me to be uncomfortable around you. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll get right to Danny's question. Uh, since it relates to radio, and since it's basically all you've ever done, right? <laughs> this is all I can do. I have no talents. So he asks, uh, this may or may not have been answered before, but if Rob weren't doing radio, what would his other passion be for making a living? Well, the brilliant plan that I had uh, when I was 17, so I graduated high school. I was younger, so I graduated when I was 17. I went right into community college, uh, and I took only radio and psychology courses. I took no general ed. My plan was always just to do radio, but my fallback position was I had a general interest in psychology. So if I went out and I did radio and I failed, my plan was I could always go back, just get general ed, and have an associate's degree right away in psychology. And this is back in the, the early 90s it would have been. That's enough for you to start getting to what they call just basic counseling and LMFT and all that crap. And then you can go through more schooling. And looking back now, 
I probably would have been passionate and, and about it, but I, I can only imagine how screwed up I would be as a human being mm-hmm. sitting there listening, taking in all of those toxins mm-hmm. from people. I don't know how they do it. Having been in therapy off and on my adult life, I don't know how they go from appointment to appointment listening to what they listen to and absorbing it. Oh, they need therapy, too. I've heard I've heard I've never looked into it. I've heard therapists are like at the top of the list of professions that need therapy. Yeah, absolutely. That wouldn't surprise me. So that because people always joke I would have made a great lawyer, which is probably true, but that was never in the plan by the time I was a teenager. So my fallback plan was psychology, and that wasn't real. The plan was don't fail. I mean, that sounds so arrogant and conceited. But I think sometimes uh, uh, careers without a net's a good thing. If I don't make this work, I'm screwed. So you do everything you can and work as hard as you can. Sometimes you have to take that leap of faith and just, you know, pl- hope on, not hope, but plan on your uh, vigilance and, and uh, hard work to, to help pick you up. Well, one of the things I learned, too, when I, when I, right when I got into radio was, uh, and it, it's not specific to radio people. We like to make fun of radio people because they are horrible human beings. That's true. But really, everybody is. And I learned right away, it was the old, if you wanted something done right, do it yourself. Because I never had plans of being the boss. My plan was just to be a morning guy hmm. because that's what inspired me to, to get into radio. I just wanted to make people laugh, have fun, be a celebrity, quote unquote, on some level. And then I realized nobody knew what the hell they were doing. Can we cuss, by the way? Yes. Nobody knew what the fuck they were doing uh, in radio. And so I just started working my way up the management chain, which was never my intention. And then once I got there, I went, okay, this now I can direct it. Now it's my baby. And then you get control of radio stations. And then you, you decide, do I want to be part of corporate radio? Or do I want to do what I did where you just back to your leap of faith thing? But that was the biggest one, jumping off and saying, okay, I'm just going to be my own boss and start my own company and hope that the talents that we're presenting are enough that people will keep us around. Well, on behalf of myself and Don and others employed by you, <laughs> I am very grateful for that. Um, Jessica expands on this, and she wants to know, what made you want to choose this path of doing talk radio for your life? Um, so I was, uh, I was a terrible kid. Uh, about waking up in the morning. I was a screamer. I was a yeller. My mother mainly would fight with me um, and get me out of bed in the morning. And then when I started junior high school, seventh grade, about 12 years old, it was already ingrained in me. You had to go to school. And uh, they, my parents sat me down, gave me a clock radio, which kids is a radio with a clock in it or vice versa. It's a clock with a radio on it. You set it to go off at a certain time and it plays the radio to wake you up. And I knew not getting to school was not an option. And I had to take the bus. So they said, get your ass up on your own. We are not fighting with you anymore. And I started using the clock radio and waking up to San Francisco morning radio. And uh, eventually along came the show called The Morning Zoo, London and Engelman on 106 KLBL. And I was already into radio, kind of, sort of, like like listening to it at that point. But they were the ones that they they transformed me almost as a person because I went from being that kid who never wanted to get up to actually literally during summer when I would usually sleep until 9, I would uh, set my alarm to wake up at 6 a.m. just to listen to them. And I thought at some point I went, when I was around 13 or 14, I went, if they can do that for me and make me feel this way, I want to do it for other people. And that's what started it. And then just from there, it transforms into what this show has become, whatever it is. That's very relatable, at least for me. And I don't think it's relatable to anybody else in the audience because they're not a producer for their favorite morning show. But I I had a similar experience, but it wasn't because I was a butt and I didn't want to get out of bed. It was just because it was a bonding experience for my family when they were taking me to school. And I you know, lived up in the boonies, so we had a good... 20 minute 30 minute drive to school uphill both ways in the snow that we would have you know we would we would bond over the show and 
it was just that that feeling that I got that you know, kind of inspired me and in, into wanting to get into that direction. And I, I kind of went into technology more than radio. But when the opportunities arose for me to try to get my foot in the door, I, I jumped right at it. I had started working on at a community radio station that had literally two watts behind the antenna. It probably got 100 feet <laughs> radius of, of people listening. But I still got my show canceled what? for for, play, uh, for having a, a toilet flush sound effect. <laughs> That's just vulgar. I know, right? But this is like the, the, the radio station was called KFOK, KFOK. KFOK? Yeah, I, that's how you re- That's how I read it. But, you know, you're supposed to pronounce it KFOK. You can't play a was, toilet on KFOK? No, you can't. Uh-huh. But it was all run by a bunch of hippies and folky, folksy people that played bluegrass and were all community oriented. I was in there playing Metallica and doing uh, games that I that were inspired from the Rad Show early on in the early days. Hey, yeah, that's no, copyright infringement. I, I think I, I switched it up a little bit. I think I called it like uh, sore news with uh, upbeat music, something like that. I don't know, uh, but it was you know I, I think it, it's something that. It's something to be said when you are inspired at a young age that you just kind of keep reaching for the unattainable, and, and eventually you'll 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 get it. That uh, bonding thing too, uh, it, it, it that matters to me that we get so many people that write in and say that that now we have we have kids, they were kids, now they're adults, and they listened with their parents, and we're almost now onto the third generation of rad listeners because that was one thing my dad and I always had a great relationship, but radio and forcing him. Because it wasn't we, – I didn't have my own iPod or anything. You listen to the radio in the house. Mm-hmm. So he would listen to this morning show, and we would talk about it all the time. It would create conversation, and it's the same thing. So it, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the next one comes from Jason. He said, I would ask, Rob, how do you do what you do every day? He's been listening since 1999 and experienced all the changes in your life, but you keep moving up. So how do you do what you do every day? <laughs> Boy, that's one of those. That, this is that question when I'm driving home. I'm going to go, damn it, this is what I should have said. Yep. Um, be, because the the easy answer for me is, well, you just do it. I mean, you don't have a choice uh, in my world. You don't, you don't get to call in sick. We try to very rarely do that, and it has to be a really severe situation. And so what I assume he's, he's meaning is the, the, the trials and tribulations of not just the show but of life – of course they get in the way. And of course there are days where I'm driving in and I don't feel like being me on the radio. But the beauty is 28 years into it, at some point before we start the live show, that kicks in. Now, there have been there have been mornings where we have started the show and I don't want to be here, but I know I have to be. But then the show does for me what it's supposed to do for everyone else. And mm-hmm. it energizes me and and gets me going. But in terms of how you do it, I, I, I don't have any answer more deep than you have to you just do you just that's what has to be done is the show and it has to be done at a, at the level that we expect that, that the audience expects and that we expect every single day i think the same thing applies to anybody in any profession you know a plumber doesn't want to get up and plumb shit out of the toilet but it's what you got to do to survive and it's almost the same mentality it's just this is a little bit fancier and cleaner than a plumbing job yeah i mean there are plenty of days like in the afternoon when i'm preparing the next day show that i will say to my wife god i don't want to talk about this so i'm purging mm-hmm. then to her but knowing we do have to talk about it there's just there's some things you can't avoid uh, but uh, you got to do it um, how about, well, let's have, let's do this one. Uh, what era would you have loved living in? Would you have preferred the twenties or does, do you wish to, uh, that you could have lived in the far future, like a hundred years from now? There, there is, there is no time in the past that I would rather live. No, no way. I, I think even though 
everybody, including us at times, we like to decry social media and the Internet. Everything that we have at our fingertips right now is extraordinary. And I would not want to go back a day, a year. Everybody, and don't even get me started, it'll fill up your whole podcast. People that wax poetic drive me friggin' nuts. Everything's always better when you look in the rearview mirror and when we were children. Well, that's not true. And you can use the, you can use the nuclear examples of things weren't so great 10 years ago for gay people who wanted to get married, 50 years ago for black people that wanted to vote, but also... Just th- my childhood, Jesus Christ! In, in that 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 seventy show theme song, hanging around, nothing to do but look at you. That was the, there was nothing to do. Now the life. Now we created, we used our imagination, all that. I don't want to go back. So if I'm given the option, which I think the question said, I want to go in the future. I would love to see because I'm going to get joy out of it no matter what I see. Either somehow we turned this ship that is humanity around, and we became that. Um, that euphoric uh, um, uh, Star Trek, the next generation. Utopia. Utopia, there yeah. it is. There's the word I was looking for. Or we've done what I think a lot of us are concerned. We've destroyed ourselves or the planet or each other, and who and it looks more like uh, idiocracy or, or a post-apocalyptic world. But I'd like to see that. And, I would, and I'm so curious, just, just because I'm only, uh, only 46. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, I just look at what's happened in the last 20 years, technologically. So I know what I'm going to get to see for for the rest of my life, which is probably, you know, 10, 15 more years. And then – but um, I can only imagine what we're going to come up with in 50 years. I don't think we're going to be flying around in the Enterprise, but I don't know. I think I think uh, Tesla – not Tesla, but uh, SpaceX is on to yeah. something with uh, privatizing the space industry and sending people up for on vacations as a start and, you know, moving <laughs> to the moon colonization. I would love for, for that type of reality to be. But I just don't know if, if us as a society are going to allow that to happen. I love Elon Musk uh, a few weeks ago saying that he will in his lifetime be able to get us to Mars. He can't guarantee he'll bring us back, though. Well, right. That's the part that I love. I mean, he can't guarantee if you're going to make it there alive right. either. You'll get there, but you might be dead <laughs> when you get there. Uh, but it would be interesting to see if we were given that opportunity, what we just do to space, what we've done to each other oh, in the Earth. or Fill it with garbage. Yeah. And yeah. and then there's always that wild card of uh, another uh, – some alien race finally showing up, and would we rally around each other or or uh, who knows i just love stuff like this yeah. i can do i can go all day with the sci-fi crap yeah. i'm a nerd that way uh, uh steered away from the sci-fi stuff ryan asks what would you be doing if broadcasting didn't work out also other than your father who did you idolize growing up yeah well even my father would wince at that because uh i i was taught at a really early young age you idolize yourself which is part of my conceit um i do think my dad's a great man and, and he is was is a great role model um, but idolizing, I mean, I had, I had sports heroes, uh, but I didn't even, but like Joe Montana and, mm-hmm. but I didn't idolize him. Um, uh, worst idol ever. The guy that hosted the morning show that I would listen to John London didn't idolize him, wanted to emulate them, wanted to be like them. Uh, so uh, I don't, I don't have a list of idols. There were, there were people, Johnny Carson, uh, oh, is, is probably as close as we get. Only in the fact that even today I still believe greatest entertainer of all time, hands down. And because I grew up watching him with my dad, back to that bonding thing, there's also that nostalgia thing. But it's amazing to watch some of that stuff that he was doing in the 70s and 80s and and still laugh at it uh, because I have the perspective of the times. And it's just brilliant. Um, and if that question's implying what – so is it implying the first part what I would do if radio went away tomorrow? Um, or if you just, I guess we already covered the, you know, if you didn't become a broadcaster. So, yeah, yeah if, if radio went away tomorrow, the show is no more, what would you do? Uh, well, I, I guess it would depend on the circumstances. Uh, assuming that I didn't lose everything I have, I'm, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a, a fortunate position 
that I wouldn't have to do anything right away. And um, I, 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 I'm not at the point. If I would look, if I was at the point where I didn't have to work, I think things would be differently mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. I think things would be different. But um, if everything went away tomorrow because uh, we finally said that one thing that got us kicked off the air, thanks, Don, um, and that that'll be the person that does it. Mm -hmm. uh, for I wouldn't do anything right away because I that's stupid. I think I would I would want to. Uh, here's what I would do first. It's not what he's asking. He's asking about professional. The first thing I would do is I would. I would eliminate the world from my worldview. I would because one of the things that I cannot escape doing what we do is the news mm -hmm. and current events. So if I knew, hey, I'm taking the rest of this year off. Let's say this happens tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, if I knew I, I, I'm not doing anything for the rest of 2018, that's the first thing I do is I unplug. I might even cancel every news channel and every internet connection and just see what it felt like in a few weeks, let alone a couple months. Oh, that that would be a dream. I've often thought about just throwing my phone out the window and turning everything off. If I had no responsibility tied to any sort of technology, I would absolutely take take a year off from technology, go somewhere. I, don't, I know you don't want to travel out of the country, but I would go somewhere where you couldn't reach me. And just see what that felt like. See, that might, just that get might lost. be the way to get me out of the country. My wife's pushing me in that direction, anyways. But but for me, it's that it's uh, it's the the news. It's the pounding of the news, and it's not just like Fox News, seeing it's everything. Everything's toxic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, we've talked on the air. You can't even watch sports and not be inflicted with some type of politics or toxicity. So that's what I would want to have a break from. And then I've always talked. I, I don't know. I might get into investing or something like that. But I have no. Fortunately, I don't have to think like that. Yeah. So for I, you know, I I would actually see you now that I know your answer. It's not going to matter. But I would actually see you being a talking head somewhere, like a but on a business network, maybe you maybe. know, like just kind of a contributor. Um, you know, the, the, you know, Fox news has a bunch of people on guests, guests all the time. I could see you being like a recurring guest on a talking, talking head news show. And, and, uh, with all due modesty, I would be excellent at that. And I think that's a great life plan. So I get rid of all the toxicity and then what do I do? I dive right into the toxic <laughs> pool head first. Well, then you could say, you know, from my experience of detach, you know, detaching from all this, you all are a bunch of idiots. Um, all right. Uh, you did mention your wife and she is in the military. Hello. Um, so there's a, actually, we got a military question. I don't know how much of this you can answer. I have no idea what he's talking about, but maybe you do. Uh, it's from Dylan. He says, uh, very uninteresting, but I was curious as to what his thought on the new blended retirement system for the military are, if he has any at all. And if it is worth it to opt in, I have just over nine years in the Navy, half of it active duty time and half as a reservist. And I'm on the fence about 20 years to get the traditional retirement or not. Crap. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 man, I have no idea. I mean, one of the things for people who don't know, I mean, my wife's 20 years younger than me. So her thinking about retirement is it's not something she and I talk about. Mm -hmm. on, on a, I mean, she's right now launching a, her third career or whatever it is. Uh, so I don't I have no idea. I, I, I don't even know what blended retirement is. She's probably listening to the broadcast going, babe, I told you about it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't listen. All right. Well, we'll have to. Damn uh, it. Well, I'll, I'll pocket this question for the next time we have maybe Christina on as a guest. There you go. Um, oh, was, sure. Give her a time to figure out an answer. But me, you just hit me right upside the head. <laughs> oh, no, no. We don't have to prep her for it. Um, but in, on the same in the same vein, uh, if your wife were ever deployed, this is a question for me, actually. Mm. If your wife were ever deployed. How would you feel? 
I don't think that that is truly answerable. This is this is my caveat before answering the question. That's one of those things where you don't really know until you're in it. It's mm-hmm. like when we talk on the air about tragic things that happen. It's like, well, we can pretend we would know how we would react if so-and-so was killed or something. You don't really know until you're there. Uh, I would like to think that, I mean, I am prepared for it. She and I talk about it uh, and, and the possibilities of it. And I would be, I am sure... Uh, sad and I would miss her and I'm sure I would worry but I knew what I signed up for here mm-hmm. and so I would hopefully show her none of those things in the moment and plus she she uh, she loves it she actually genuinely enjoys not only just the military but she she enjoys being deployed wow okay. um which is a function I think of part of what she does uh for the military most of which we can't talk about but um she she told me before she uh, she she said once when we were dating she said I'd love to be deployed again I was like Jesus Christ wow. what about me but Ballsy. that's not what she meant she just meant she really enjoyed it so I would try to uh, just bask in that that she she was doing something she loves and uh, at, I think at that point you just hope and keep the house together and then I think the hardest part from what I've heard and read it's it's when they come back because you're so if, let's say she's gone for nine months or, uh, and and who knows how often we get to talk well i've created without there's no question i've created some sort of new habit system formula for how the house runs she comes back she hasn't even been at home for for nine months she doesn't even maybe remember how we used to do things she's getting reacclimated to society i'm like hey come on that's every day i've been doing the same thing and that's where i've heard it can get a little sketchy when they come home. It is uh, they're trying to acclimate? You're like, hey, come on, get caught up now. This is how we do things hey, now. You guys aren't connected, no, like you were. Before. That that would be the more concern. But I'd just be happy she was back home. Yeah. So with uh, seemingly tensions raising higher and higher around the world, do you guys talk about this on on your? You know, on your off time? Yes, uh, to the extent that we can. And she can't say a lot of stuff to me yeah. uh, because of what she knows and, and what she does. So we'll talk more in broad strokes, basically. Um, and I, 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 she, we have a system, I think, that we haven't even ever talked about. I understand when she's gotten to the point where she can't comment. Because I might say something about a certain part of the world and what we may or may not do, and she will basically not respond or give me an eyebrow, and I'll be like, oh, okay, all right, I went too far with that. No, I didn't go too far. It's just we've reached the end of this conversation. But we do not sit around and stew on it in any way. Uh, we, we, It's not like, oh, God, babe, you know, we just launched missiles at Syria. I guess we should get ready. We don't, we don't do that at all. When you do bring something up, like another country or something, and she doesn't react or doesn't respond, does that kind of give you that sinking feeling like something could happen, something's about to happen, or is that just, you know, this is just part of the gig? She just can't talk. Kind of like how you might have stuff going on in your business that you can't really or don't want to talk about. Yeah, it's such a corny answer, but I, I've got to tell you, I'm so, I'm so proud of her and anybody that serves that um, that's the the first feeling I have is uh, I'm, uh, if we need somebody, I'm glad she's one of them because she's up to the job. And the, the, the thing about the sinking feeling is even before I met her, I knew we prepare our military far more often than we deploy them or use them. The, 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 the training that we put them through just in case 
is so extensive, and we civilians never hear about it unless we make military friends or wind up marrying into a military family. And if you get worked up every time they get called to a special training session to be ready to take out the the, the dictator of Syria or Kim Jong-un in North Korea or Saddam Hussein or Muammar Gaddafi, you'll go insane. Mm -hmm. So um, I I ignore – Almost all of that uh, as best I can because it doesn't necessarily mean anything. All right. Um, with another Christina question in mind, uh, Christy asks, what are you going to do when your young wife, Christina, wants a baby in, let's say, three years from now? What are you going to do considering you don't like kids? Well, I'd be shocked, first of all. Um, I mean, she and I – it's not like she and I haven't talked about that. Um, it's she – Right now, because I, I understand what the implication is. Oh, she'll change her mind. And, hey, people do change. Maybe she will. I would be surprised. I would be very surprised. But I would I would be supportive, and I would listen, and I would right away start asking her the questions as to why. What is it that's driving her to this? Is there a hole in her life, a hole in our relationship? Is it a divine intervention? Uh, try to get a good answer on that. And then I would lay out, okay, let's say that I'm game for this. Here's how our life changes. And... When you start going through I've, the the I've done this with friends, um, whether it's men or women, and and when you start going through the matter of fact differences of okay, so this is how you're used to living life. Here's everything that changes, and it's not just financial, it's not just travel, it's not just fun, it's not just social, it's not just going out with friends, it's not just sleeping, it's not, but it is all of these things and so much more. And a lot of times you get halfway into that diatribe and people go, oh my God, you're right. What was I thinking sort of thing? This We got to think about this a lot more. Um, but it wouldn't be, I wouldn't storm out and say, well, you knew me when you married me. I, I, we would try to work through it. But I, I would be very surprised if she got to that point knowing where she's at now, what she has planned and what she wants out of life, never mind us and me. Yeah, I think it's funny how Christy kind of projects her or her, her uh, maybe desire to have kids on to Christina because, you know, every woman should experience that sort of thing. And, you know, if, if, since she's so young, she'll probably change her mind. Uh, but I always feel like that's just projection. And we've talked about that kind of stuff on the show recently. Well, and the truth is, if you look around at a lot of the moms and dads in the world, not every uh, human being should be a parent, should experience that. They're, some of them Man. are really bad at it, and some of them have their lives uh, uh, very negatively affected by it. And um, Christina is, is she's like me. She's no fan of kids. Uh, neither one of us is mean to them. But man, we spend time around children for whatever reason. And it's a race for which one of us says, God, we are never doing and that to me right there is is the starting point of why would you have children if you hate them? And and the whole, oh, well, you love yours. No, no, I mean, yeah. like, like I just, no, I don't know, yuck. Yeah, sometimes I can't stand myself. Why would I want a little me running around, yeah. you know? And, and, the, and the, the, other, the other thing that's good with that, too, is when, um, if there's ever, like, you ever think there's a chink in that armor, like, uh, like she hasn't been around kids in a, in a while, and, and you just want to remind her of how awful having kids is, is the, the, the first time your dogs drive you nuts. Oh, yeah. And you just say, you realize with dogs, you can always put them in a kennel. Mm -hmm. Can't do that with kids legally. And uh, little jokes like that go a long way when you, because people sit back and go, oh, my God. Yeah, we can't. Oh, yeah, you're just stuck. Forever. That's that's so funny. We do. This, we have the same analogy in the Brandon household. We say, you know, we couldn't put the kids in a cage. We couldn't yell at the kids like we do now without being put in, you know, in CPS situations. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's go to the next one from Daniel. He says, uh, will the rad show continue after you retire? Well, would there be a rad show anymore at that point? Um, I suppose if if at that time there was enough 
uh, talent and interest on the parts of people that we had a that we had collected at that time because as we've shown over the last 20 years the people change and parts come and go and get moved that we would certainly I would entertain that I mean if it got to the point where we were producing a product that was still uh, uh, valued and wanted and I was at the point where I just I, I didn't want to do it anymore. I wanted to do it half as often or whatever. And we had enough assembled talent that could do the show without me. Sure. I don't see how that fits right now. But, of course, I'm also not thinking that way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> um, so I haven't even thought about it. That's an interesting question. Man, could you imagine giving up the reins but still, like, having, pr- like, producer type, not producer, but, you know, executive director type of title role in it. So you're, like, kind of sitting behind the scenes, almost like uh, what what Letterman did with his traveling pants company or whatever that, that company was called. Yeah. I think for my, I'm guessing for my mental well being, it would have to be more of, I would, that I would have to just sign off everything to at least a person. It would be more like a, okay, that's fine. I, I mean, I've built this, you can use my studios, you can use the name, you can use everything I own and here's the piece that I get, but it's yours now. As opposed to, I think the image of, oh, I'm going to be behind the scenes coaching and I, if, if I'm doing that, why aren't I doing the show? Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, because it is, it is, it's that much work. So why wouldn't I just keep doing the show? I'd be more like, okay, it's yours now. Just send me my checks. I'll take the royalties. This is a pretty unique situation. I, I just yeah. couldn't see. I couldn't see. I mean, I could if we had the, the right amount of talent that where you would like, you know, show up and do half a show sometimes. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, these types of shows morph and, and evolve like that. So, I, I mean, I could see. I just wouldn't see a rad show anymore if there were if there's a show that can do something anything like that it's this show it's it's ridiculous the the staying power the popularity the success that this show has and as much fun as we have on the show bragging quote unquote about it but which there's an element of reason to that you know radio ratings aren't public enough and people like to know that what they like is popular and that they're following a winner and all that but we you couldn't it is impossible to overstate what this show has done in the Northern California, Northern Nevada area, and for how long it's done it. It's just staggering. So if there's something that hasn't been done in radio yet, this show will figure out a way to do it. All right, moving away from radio, have you ever played that game Murder, Fuck, Mary? You know what I'm talking about, right? I, I a choice between three people, and you have to say yes, who you okay. would murder, who you would fuck, and who you would marry. Yes. Oh, right, God. So Angela's got one for you. Who would you murder, fuck, marry of your three buddies? Pat, Gary, and Kevin. Now, Pat's the uh, chief of security for the Rad Show. Gary is Don's husband. And Kevin, Kevin Huey of the Huey Law Group is the show's attorney. All right. So I would marry Gary, Don's husband, because he is got to be the most perfect spouse in the world. And he's the nicest guy I've ever met. He's a keeper. Um, I would. OK, the, the other two are tough. <laughs> oh, man. But here's what I would do. I, I would I would fuck Pat. Because I think he's probably a great fuck. He'd probably break me in half and kill me. I mean, he's 6'4", 300 pounds, all muscle. But my wife's black and Pat's black. And once you go black, you can't go back. That's true. So I have to stay with Pat. Plus, I'm then going to use Pat to actually murder Kevin. Oh. Because he's a cop and he knows how to do that. And I can always get another attorney. That's good. There you go, Angela. All right. People think that's like my troop. That's my that's my gang that I hang with is Pat, Gary and Kevin. Oh, God.
Well, they see the pictures. It's like the only guys you hang out with, I guess. I don't know. Right. Um, you were clear about... Uh, this one is from Nicole. You were clear about not having a prenuptial agreement in your first marriage. Did you get one in this marriage with Christina? No. Never even discussed. I think we joked about it once, and it was... Uh, uh, I think she might have said something like, draw it up. I don't care. And I, I gave her the speech that I always... that I always, I said, no. I was joking. I don't even remember how it came up, but that is literally the extent that it was ever... Uh, brought up, I don't believe in safety nets. If you have a safety net, then it makes it easier to leave. I think that is one of the reasons that a lot of people don't get married. Um, not that I'm pro-marriage. Not everybody has to be married. You can be perfectly happy and not be married. But I do know there's a percentage of people that don't because it's always easier to break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's hard to get divorced. And if you're really committed, like if you really want to commit yourself to somebody, it should be hard, it should be painful, and it should hurt in every way. Not just uh, not just emotionally, which it's going to, but financially. And and for a guy like me, that's a big reason not to. I'm materialistic, and uh, I like my money, and um, it's it is a good deterrent. Hopefully, I don't ever need that in in this marriage. But uh, the, the deterrence that it never gets that bad. But I don't want to know. Well, you know, I mean, okay, it's not working out, and we've already determined she gets this amount of money. And then what I what I've seen people do is they start for like six or nine or twelve months working towards okay so I need to adjust my finances so they've already checked out of the marriage mm-hmm. and for a year they're working on how to make the prenup work I just I don't want any part of it if I'm gonna fail I'll fail hard I don't like it when people treat marriage as a business I mean there are certain couples that work together that own companies together but I I, I think that at least from people I know you can separate business from your personal life. Um, and but just treat your your marriage as it is and not a contract. I mean, it is a piece of paper, but your marriage should just be that your relationship between the man and the woman it doesn't matter what you bring in. It's all it's all together. Yeah, I agree. I think the only exception is that very small. I don't know. It's probably less than five percent of marriages that actually are a business arrangement mm-hmm. uh, that that, OK, we're to, to keep you in the, the country. I mean, there's the old sitcom example. There are other reasons that people get married that aren't about love. Uh, or relationships, and I don't care. They're not. They're not ruining the sanctity of marriage. That's true. In that rare example, yeah, sure, you should have a whole bunch of documents, but that's not what we're talking about here. Otherwise, yeah, it's supposed to be about the two of you. A lot of people have uh, marriage questions today. Uh, Jamie wants to know what is your favorite part about being married to Christina. Uh, well, the favorite part about being married to Christina is obviously uh, all of the access and time with I have I have with her and how much fun we have, but. Specifically, the thing about Christina that's unique is that she, unlike anyone I've ever met, male or female, almost as as much as a few men, or I'm sorry, there's a few men that have almost reached it, um, challenges me at a at a level that I, I I've rarely found um, in every way. Uh, she holds me to account. She makes me i mean the old cliche she makes me a better man that's true but it's not just Hashtag that pearl jam yeah it's not just that it's not that simple or or what's the jack nichols i think it's as good as it gets he says that to helen hey, you make me want to be a better man <laughs> it's not it's not that simple um but it, it, there there's all of those elements but the but the actual answer to the question is and this seems so silly but i grew up playing team sports um, and I loved it, baseball specifically, and I was always the captain of the team. And one of the things that I missed when I stopped playing sports, it wasn't the old, oh, gee, my athletic days are behind me thing, was that team element. And I mean, te- and that's one of the things I loved about management in radio is that you build a team and then you manage a team. But what's unique in a marriage, if you're doing it right, is you are teammates. Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth of the matter is that 
that no matter how hard you try, no matter how you run your company, no one is your equal if you're the boss, if you're the owner. You can try, but it's still not true. In a marriage, if you're doing it right, you're both equal. And I love – that is the one thing, and I love it about Christina specifically. We are teammates in a way that I've I've never seen or rarely seen. Uh, you want to see two people that have each other's backs and will turn against anyone – you look at Christina and me, and that's and we do not fawn over each other all the time. We do not agree all the time, uh, but uh, we we will go to the ends of the earth for each other, and that's that's the best thing. Is just knowing no matter what that I've got that. That's very relatable. The Brandons, at you know, me and Mrs. Brandon, we will we share the same sentiment. I think that we're both better people for each other because we are teammates with each other. And I've never really, you know, I never really thought that through until you kind of put it into words for me. Um, but that's absolutely true. You, you can't, you can't have a successful relationship if one person is carrying more weight than the other, and you you can't if you don't have that communication there. It's just never going to work out. And I never had that before I met my wife, and I never thought I was even going to get married. I thought that's not even for me. I'm just going to be a philanderer my whole life, and I'll just you know because my. A lot of my family, they've all gotten divorced and, you know, remarried and divorced again. And I just didn't want to go down that path. Um, but once I met Haley, it was it was all over. The other thing, too, I think people screw up is um, it, it, there's going to be there's there's some type of tension that needs to exist, I think, within a really successful relationship. You don't have to be bickering all the time, fighting, things like that. But it's more like I can think of so many times. In the first couple of years, Christine and I were together that I would walk away and I was saying to myself, you are a pain in the fucking ass. You are driving me nuts. And I would realize within the next 30 minutes or 30 days, because sometimes it takes longer, she's right. And I need to make this change or she's doing it better than I am. And it's only because I'm stubborn that I'm not doing it. And you get your eyes open to these other ways of doing things by somebody you respect and love. And then you have the ability to either go back to them and thank them, or you just kind of make the change and let them notice, and then they can come up with their own <laughs> I told you so later. Yeah, thank, mm. thank God they love you enough to let you go through that process because, you know, I know I could be a pain in the ass sometimes, and if if they can love you through that, then, you know, they're keepers. Mm -hmm. um, Alicia asks, what, if anything, would you say is the biggest difference between Radio Rob and regular or at-home Rob? Well, uh, regular at-home Rob is less inclined to engage as much as Radio Rob. Radio Rob has to. Mm -hmm. That's that's the whole point. you got to keep the show moving, and you always have to be thinking of another angle, and you have to say every single thing that comes into your mind, which I think is why people that know me personally and then listen to the show, they sometimes – they they – I think they focus in on what they would call the obnoxiousness of me being on the air. And what they mean specifically is that if I'm at home with friends or guests or family or whatever, there's plenty of times that I bite my tongue. I'm thinking – sometimes I'm thinking just for fun, well, I could make this devil's advocate argument, and then I realize I'm not on the radio. Other times I'm thinking that what they're saying is so stupid, and I have to kind of check in with myself, and I go, so what? I love them for all these other reasons. Why do I need to tell them that's stupid? Is it affecting me? Is it going to affect our friendship? No. On the radio, you don't have that. On the radio, when you or Dawn or a caller or anyone else says something that's that I think is stupid legitimately or I can make the argument of, well, this is why some people think it's stupid, I have to say something. Mm -hmm. So it's really more uh, – I'm more reserved. I'm not uh, – so therefore I come off as less of an ass in real life because I'm not constantly projecting these opinions, which is what we're paid to do. Um, short of that, the only other difference on the air is everything's exaggerated. The the in take when I'm playing devil's advocate, that's that's different. But if I'm taking a position that I believe in, I'm just more exaggerated on the air and a little more over the top. 
Uh, I'm not as flamboyant and loud off the air, but other than that, it's they're pretty similar people. Yeah, often when friends and family will ask me, "Is Rob really that mean in person?" I'm like, "No, it's just you know, it's just an exaggerated version on the air because it's showbiz, man." Right. I mean, what, what's the what's the equivalent of of calling somebody an idiot and hanging up on them in real life? They come to my door. And I say, they're working in my house. I say, you stupid plumber, you're an idiot. Get out. <laughs> of course I wouldn't do that. Right. Um, I, I also imagine that listeners think that we're just walking around with headphones all the time, introducing music and saying the weather <laughs> at the top of the hour. Uh, Sherry has a question about money. He sa- she says, uh, Rob is a money guy. I've been listening to Dave Ramsey lately mm-hmm. and want to know what he thinks of him and his financial programs. Is, is Dave Ramsey the guy that pushes all the sound effects buttons? <laughs> no, although they look similar. That's oh, okay. Jim Cramer. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but Dave Ramsey's also bald and has a little bit of a, of a beard. Dave Ramsey, I think he's brilliant. Um, I don't, uh, I'm not, I, 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 and I only base that on uh, seeing him in countless interviews, watching a little bit of him on TV. I've never gone to any of his seminars. I haven't read his books, but he has, he, and I didn't get it from him. Uh, but he espouses very similar, basic, pragmatic financial things of first things first, get out of debt. Second thing, get at least three, preferably six, even better, 12 months living expenses saved up. And all of that right away makes people's eyes glaze over and they go, that's not possible. And he has a variety of ways to show you how it is possible. He's big on uh, what we talk about on the radio all the time. If you want to keep up with the Joneses, you are not going to have money to do what you really want to do. Because you're too busy spending this, this, and this on things that you're worried about now to make you look good, uh, or FOMO and things like that. I, I think he's, I think he's brilliant. I think he's dead on smart, and he's not a lot of fun. Um, but he's, he, and by the way, I would like to think that I'm somewhat of an example of the fact that you can be responsible with your money and live a really good life too. You don't have to be a pauper uh, for 50 years so that you can retire with all this money when you're old. And um, and have done nothing during your fun years. You can travel. You can buy expensive things, drive sports cars, uh, eat expensive food, whatever it is that turns you on. You can do that and save relative to what you're making. And that that's really what people should be aspiring for, in my opinion. I just I still I have a hard time wrapping my head around getting a 12, six to 12 month uh, safety net. And I, I think that's just probably because of where I am at um, uh, economically. But. I mean, I, I know not buying the lattes every day, really stripping down and just putting money away, obviously getting out of debt first, but I just can't, I can't imagine how long it would take to, to just start saving up that much. It's hard. It's incredibly hard. And the way I see, and, and it's not like the, the, the plan that Ramsey laid out literally probably doesn't work. It's not how I did it. Um, I, I bought my first house when I was 22 with all of the savings that I had and a little help from my dad. Uh, which I paid him back for, but it was a it was a, a loan from my dad that helped me get into the home. So I went into the house with I had no money saved up at that point. Once I bought the house, I have no I have I couldn't live for a month if I got fired. So right away I'm not living the plan. Um, but then when I sold that house uh, seven years later, uh, six years later, whatever, and and made a fair amount of profit on it, the first thing I did was I took that chunk and I took six months of livable wages and put it away. And and then I couldn't buy another house. I wanted to, but I couldn't because I didn't have enough money. So that's where the discipline came in. And that's when I started driving a crappy car and living in an apartment and saying, yeah, but now you've got six months in savings and build up again. And it does suck telling people, no, I can't go out. No, I can't. Oh, I'm out. That girl's hot, but I can't ask her out because I don't have money. And those are just the choices you make. It's not as easy as I or Dave Ramsey makes it sound. That's for sure. Yeah, Disci- life, life gets in the way. Yeah, and discipline is all it's about, right? 
Yes, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, only got a couple left, so we can get out of here. I'm noticing it's getting a little hotter than usual because people aren't normally in here at this hour. Oh, that's right. I think we we turn off the air conditioner. Freaking hot. Um, it's not just because of my sexiness. Well, that too. Mm. I, I don't want to say anything. Mm. Um, what's the rudest thing you've ever done? Ooh, it's from Bianca. Rudest thing I've ever done. Boy, and rude is so relative, so it'd have to be something I was like really embarrassed by. Um, I I don't think this is the answer, but I know a few years ago in New York at Christmas, I threw a phone at a at a, a hotel worker. Oh, didn't hit her? I didn't hit her, uh, but um, I slammed it on the on the the counter, and it bounced because uh, I was so mad at at something to do with service, and it wasn't her fault. And I threw it down, and I stormed off, and I still just remember it because that's that's just ridiculous. It's out of character. It is rude. Um, and it took me until the next morning to realize it. And then I never saw her again to apologize. Oh. Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's better examples. Um, I don't I'm not generally rude. And I don't think standing up for yourself in customer service situations when you're right and doing it in a calm, reasoned manner is rude. That's that's an example of just a horrible moment in, where I just I was I had too much to drink. I was pissed. And I, and I think I was legitimately pissed, but you don't treat people that way. Mm hmm. Um, but that, I don't have a, I don't have like an immediate, oh yeah, this is the rudest thing I've ever done. Who, who keeps stock of that stuff anyway? Well, you know? th this is the other problem too, is I don't, I don't spend a lot of time wallowing, mm -hmm. um, either consciously or subconsciously. There aren't like right away a Rolodex of, of half a dozen things that I can bring up for you and tell you, these are my most embarrassing moments, or these are the things I wish I could do differently because, you learn from your mistakes, but then I think I just move on from them. And, yeah. and so I'm sure somebody could come in and say, well, I will tell you when you're rude. And I'd probably go, oh, Jesus, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alex asks, if uh, if you could go back and change one decision you've made, would you? And what would it be? Well, of course, you get into that whole uh, theory of every single decision you've made in your past has gotten you to where you are in your present and made you who you are. So you kind of start with the ethereal, do I like where I am and what I'm doing and who I am? Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, what uh, people, any, any, any major decision you change completely changes the arc of your life. Um, oh, I wouldn't have uh, uh, sent the show to Seattle. Back in uh, in uh, in 2000, when we were we were offered it because it was a it was a terrible deal and I was young and stupid. Well, yeah, but if we hadn't done that, there's so many things that I wouldn't have learned. There's people I wouldn't have met that I still know today. And who knows, by the way, if we don't go to Seattle in the fall of 2000, um, what does and we say, no, we're going to stay here and we're in Sacramento only. We're still broadcasting in Sacramento. Well, what happens three months later? Do they come along and go, okay, you didn't want Seattle. Well, now we're going we're gonna to offer you San Francisco. And I go, yeah, that's where I grew up. And now what? Am I in San Francisco? Do I never meet my wife? Do we go to San Francisco and fail? Mm -hmm. I, 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 I know. I can't think of like a specific thing that I could say I would change because I could – you'd have to be able to change it in a vacuum. I'd have to be able to say, well, I'm, I'm going to change that decision, but it affects nothing that happens after it. And how many decisions are like that? Exactly. I, I don't like these questions at all because I, I agree. There's a reason why I went through the things that I went through and that if I didn't go through them, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And why would I want to change that? Even horrible things. See, I, I yeah. can start thinking of like nights where 
I could say, okay, I should not have had that one more drink, and here's why. It led to this horrible experience. Yeah, but that horrible experience made me better. It was awful. I never want to relive it, but it did make me better moving forward. I mean, I would love to go back in time and not get two fucking DUIs, (laughs) but, you know, it happened, and I I feel like I'm a better person for it. Fortunately, I didn't kill anybody in the process or Mm. hurt myself. Mm. Um, But, you know, the mistake, even mistakes, I wouldn't go back and change anything because unless it was that vacuum situation where you can just be like, well, I like this memory, I like this memory, don't like that one, and let's move forward. Yeah, I'm sure somewhere there's like, oh, I wish I hadn't said this to that person, but I mean, come on. Nobody keeps track of that stuff. All right, last one. wives do. Oh, yeah, good point. (laughs) And Catholics. Oh, Uh, man. (laughs) Especially if it's a Catholic wife. Oh, (laughs) you're really screwed. The uh, last question comes from Marcelo. I know the the answer to this. Uh, Would you run for president? No. You know, the, I mean, the old joke, you can't afford the pay cut. Right. Um, but also, even with the election of Donald Trump, I still don't believe uh, that normal people can get into that position. And if they do, I don't believe that you can actually affect change. The, the system, it, it, it probably is the greatest system in the world, but it is also bought, sold, paid for, broken. And, uh, and just to even get there, to get through it. I mean, everybody looks at it like, oh, Donald Trump, he got elected and he's not a politician. No, he's not. But he, he, he was... At the very least, a billionaire showbiz person. Okay, some I do, show me the world where some jerk who's done radio for thirty years is going to rise up and become president without first, of course, getting into politics, becoming a congressman and a senator. And once you're in there, it is it is everything you think it is and worse. I was mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the air. I've, I've been I've been helping someone that I support. Uh, who's running for a local office that I, I don't talk about on the air for a variety of reasons, and just seeing on that level how dirty it is and the favors you have to do for people and the people that are so powerful that care about a little election in a little city in America, it's there is no way you can do it without getting involved in that. And that goes back to the toxicity question. I don't want it. I don't want yeah. any part of it. Well, let's just keep doing radio then. Yeah, I think yeah, we'll do. I think we're doing more fun. for our country, uh, more for our little society here than uh, I would do there, anyways. I agree. Well, thank you very much, Rob, for joining me on the That's broadcast. It? That was it. That's so easy. I know it wasn't that bad, was it? No, it was only an hour of your time. It wasn't bad at all. Was that an hour? Yeah. Wow. No, that was no, that was very easy. So. uh have me back someday, but yeah. not too often. Definitely. And thanks to uh, tech to you for being the uh, flagship sponsor of the Rob or the Rob podcast. <laughs> the podcast. The podcast. We renamed it. Uh, the Rad Podcast. You can find them online at uh, tech to you. That's tech, the number two, the letter u.com, um, or just Google it. And we'll see you next time. Namaste, bitches. The Rad Podcast.